0: Hey, uh, Caleb here. Just a quick note before we get into the episode. There were some technical difficulties. Uh, no video this week, unfortunately. Both Scott and Craig just had some issues with their video. Uh, but nevertheless, audio is good to go. Uh, you, there is going to be a little bit of an awkward edit at some point in the early part of this video. Uh, or this podcast, sorry. Uh, because my phone uh, cut out and like hung up on the call. Um, but we got everything back on track, so no worries there. Um and yeah, that's it. That's pretty much it. So hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. Go check out the new Junko Daydream EP we make an idol of our fears. Uh it's awesome. It's fucking amazing. And uh I really love this episode, so hopefully you enjoy it as well. Tell your friends, subscribe if you're not listening if you haven't subscribed on uh Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else you listen to your podcast, uh please do. Uh it would really mean a lot to us. Craig and I got a lot of things cooking with this. Um and, and, and Including a few sort of like more focused, shorter episodes, uh, just kind of on living life in the music industry. Uh, but anyway, here you go. Here's Scott from Junko Daydream.
1: Don't worry about stealing gas because We'll just siphon again and then put it in someone else's car. got a shirt a band. The Days
2: off the shirt. You got a boot print on it. Come this Cool. cool. Well, we on. should jam
0: sometime. We're right here with Scott from Junko Daydream. What's up, buddy? How you holding up with this whole thing?
1: I mean, about as well as I can. I've learned a lot of theory. <laughs> of not being able to play any shows and
0: you know Yeah, you yeah, guys anyway. are supposed to like be like just off tour, right? Like you're supposed to be finishing up a tour like last week or something.
1: Yeah, we're we're supposed to be playing with Girth from Toronto for like most of the month of March and April.
0: Right. And, yeah, there's, uh, like, pretty much this whole, like, when this got really bad, it was, like, that was when your tour was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and,
1: like we, ha- like, we hadn't even played this year yet at all. I think our last show was with Single Mothers in Windsor in December.
2: Right. Right. right.
1: So we were really itching to get back at it. But, I mean, you got to do what you got to yeah. do, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure, yeah. That London show was supposed to be here at my place at the Dome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And it sucks because, I mean, like, like all house shows, I mean, you know, every, all shows are off, right? But it's like, we, we were considering it. It's just like, well, like, I mean, we could have, it's like, you can have like, they're saying no gatherings of like, what was like 15 people. And it's like, well, I mean, we can, we can get over like, we can get like 30 people in here and it won't be a big deal or whatever. Like, we can get some, (laughs) some healthy people in here. And then it it got to the point where it's like, yeah, no gatherings of, of five or less and we're like okay we can't really keep having house shows at this point yeah yeah even if it was just house shows you know but yeah
1: yeah it's it's pretty it's not a great situation but i think it's good that everyone's sort of doing their part and respecting what's going on yeah you know like one of the shows we were supposed to play was at piranha bar in montreal and mm. I was talking with the promoter about that. Like as soon as stuff started to surface before they even closed down anything. And I'm like, are you, do you still want to do this? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, it's great, man. People want shows. And then, you know, people started getting cases and they put, started putting restrictions on things. And I'm like, are, are you sure? And he's like, oh yeah, like still going to do it. The numbers are good. Like all the bands want to play it. And then, right. um, and then they actually banned like bars and venues from being opened. And I said, okay, so like, do you want me to change the event page or are you going to handle that? And he's like, well, you know, technically Piranha Bar doesn't classify as either of those things and they still want to do it. I'm like, no, that would look terrible. (laughs) The optics on that would be bad. And like, yeah, no one wants to be that band that tried to sneak around the rules and play a show during a pandemic.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. (laughs) No kidding.
2: When well, Lost Arts, you yeah. guys, you guys played a show like the day, the just the day before, or something like that, right before the the stay at home order. Yeah, it out. was,
0: it was pretty much like that. Th- it was like the last Friday before. It was kind of like, is this serious? Like some people were still freaking out, but then it like wasn't, like the magnitude hadn't quite hit like Canada yet, right? And then like that Monday. It was like, no, this is real, and everybody should stay the fuck home. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, true, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And we're supposed to play a show like in a couple weeks. I call the office, and obviously that's been moved and postponed. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's a really strange time. It's for sure. It,
1: the landscape's going to be totally different when this is all over. And I mean, like Craig, you and I were talking yesterday. You lost out on more shows than either of us. You know.
2: Well, yeah. Heart Attack Kids yeah. were supposed to do. Uh, it was like 20 something dates but i know it was it was ontario quebec and then we were supposed to stop into the states for the first time like that was gonna be the first time i'd ever been to the states anyway and um and we were really excited about it we had our visas all in place and everything and then uh we had the the, the stay at home order came out and we and we were all saying like so what do you think is going to happen with all these shows like are they being canceled are they being postponed And it seems like they're being postponed until at at least October. But, I mean, like just the other day, Trudeau was saying that he thinks this is going to last at least a year. So, I mean, who's to say when these are even going to be rescheduled?
1: Yeah, exactly, man. Like it's – Right. Like how can you even
2: make plans right now?
1: You you can't. And, I I mean, it's going to – and I think there's going to be a big bottleneck of shows once everything does open back up because of everyone trying to get all of their shows – that were spread out over the entirety of the time that this pandemic's happening. They're all going to be trying to reschedule it into like the first month or two that you can actually play again. And there's just going to be such a, it's going to be such a crowded scene. You know, I Mm -hmm. I feel like it's not going to be good. It's not. Yeah,
2: that was my prediction the other day. I was saying, is it going to be, are we going to have, like, everyone's going to say, yeah, you don't need to be staying at home anymore. And there's going to be, a ton of shows like every day of the week and they're all going to pop off or is it going to be, you know, everyone's going to start booking these shows and people are still going to be afraid to go out or they're not even going to want to go out. Like what's going to happen when everyone comes back. Right.
1: Precisely, man. And then, Mm. I mean, even if people do want to go out and see all these shows, you know, there's going to be so many more shows to compete with that, you know, people Mm -hmm. that you might normally draw to your show might have another two or three shows that night that they could go to. Right. So I don't know, I think I think it's yeah, going to be interesting to see how the scene sort of works its way through it, you know. I think people really need to coordinate and and try and work together to bring it back.
2: Yeah, definitely. We're going to need it's going to be a cooperative totally. effort for sure to to make sure everyone thing if like well, at least in the entertainment industry we can we can get back to it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's, like, I think for, for smaller bands, like, even, you know, like, my band, I don't think we're probably top of the list for a, a lot of people to come see if we're competing against other, other shows in the city or whatever that night, and, like, that's who it's gonna definitely hurt are, like, these smaller bands that are trying to promote, like, a new single or whatever right and it's like yeah i could go see you but there's like this other wicked show at, at rum runners tonight or there's like a music hall show because you know there's legit bands that are touring the world that mm-hmm. have to get rescheduled as well right right so that's that's what's going to be interesting
2: i had a i got a message the other day someone was saying um like what's going to happen with the my chemical romance show <sighs> and like that's a good question you know like these these big show, like these huge shows where like Millions of dollars of tickets, you know, like huge budgets for these massive arenas. Like, what happens? Like, that's got to be a meltdown for some some management lady, right? Trying to like refund or like console like ten thousand people that are like, "What about my one hundred and fifty dollar ticket?" You know, (laughs) I can only imagine. Yeah, man, I was
1: reading an article the other day about how you know Ticketmaster and Live Nation they're instituting a pretty airtight policy where unless it's actually canceled and not rescheduled
2: they're not going to do refunds right yeah and, and everyone's right. getting you know everyone's getting government money at this point it's like yeah that 200 dollars could really come in handy right now oh, yeah 100 percent.
0: and that's like everything up in the air so it's like well yeah it's likely postponed and it's like okay we'll tell when like we don't know like right. okay <laughs> so you like really have to i think just be responsible for yourself and, and like just keep track of like, Hey, I paid this like $200 for this ticket. And like the show has never been rescheduled or anything. Like it's okay. going to just kind of be upon the person that bought the ticket. I think.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's That's crazy. crazy. Uh-huh. The main thing I'm concerned about is just like, what's the landscape of venues going to be when we get out of this?
2: Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. real like who's, who's going to stand the test of time and be able to pay the rent. You know, like it's called the office going to be cool is, you know, I mean, like, all the small hole-in-the-wall venues. I know there's there's lots, like, way, if, like further north, and, like, Toronto's got a million small venues that, like, are they going to be able to keep up? It, I don't yeah. know.
1: There's so many of them that we're barely making ends meet to begin with. Right. And then, you know, this comes in, and, I mean, it's tough for bars to get the loans that the governments are, are giving. Mm-hmm. And even then, they might not even be able to pay those when they can actually open back up and do shows again. So, right, I yeah, mean,
0: for sure. We were talking to uh, like call the office when we were doing that show just before this all really popped off, and I think they said something like, "Every time somebody cancels a show, it's like a thousand dollars or something for the bar, really that they lose." Yeah, something like that's what Nick was telling me. And I was like, That's fucking crazy. Yeah, it's and, harsh. You know, they, and Call the Office was doing a lot like we were we did our music video there and we were talking to Vanessa and like they're really putting like a lot of work into that place and trying to like revive it. Yeah, call the and office. This has is been looking really great. like worst case scenario. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, they've been like really working hard on trying to like renovate it and make it like an actual building again. <laughs> right. And then and this is really shitty timing for this to happen because yeah, they you know they're really looking for loans it. and stuff and yeah and now they can't do anything they can't use it
1: yeah it's I, I hope they make it through it because I mean just from back when we were playing you know around in high school you know we've lost mm. like six or eight different venues oh, over the sure. years and I mean Is Call sure the Office APK? the both APKs
2: uh what are some other ones the shire the shire got bulldozed for christ's sake
1: yeah uh evac yeah. as
2: well evac oh, yeah oh EVAC. my god what a throwback that place went through hell <laughs> yeah like, several times
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah man and so now it's it's just call the office and rum runners in the music hall, and that's that's it i mean like there's
2: yeah, no one I'm... else really yeah yeah and i wonder i mean like as far as we're like i mean i i live at a house venue right so i mean for us like um in my standpoint is like when everyone's allowed to come back and everyone's like oh yeah like you can you don't have to stay at home i would definitely still be nervous to to do a show and and i mean first off the the poll, like would it be first i would it be too many people we are going to show up to this house venue or are we going to have nobody show up? But also what if someone shows up and gets sick? And then all of a sudden we have like, you know, like as soon as everything's getting better, you know, suddenly we're, we're the one that we're the (laughs) COVID ground zero all of a sudden again. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're talking about this happening in, in phases, you know, like Mm. we, we should be expecting to go back to normal life and then having another wave of this.
2: For sure, because so, they're they're gonna say I'm fine. Every everyone's fine. Go back to your regular lives, and then there's gonna be one guy that touches a bus pole or whatever. Okay. okay.
0: Sorry about that. That was my bad. Um, so we were talking about venues, like kind of closing and stuff. Um, what I did want to ask Scott was, um, kind of with this whole touring thing not an option, and you guys are putting out an EP in May what's kind of the promo plan because you guys tour a lot and with that kind of off the table i was wondering how that changed your 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 planning a little bit in terms of promoting this thing
1: uh it's a good question man like it we're sort of playing it by ear because playing live shows are a huge part of what we do so um you know in terms of how we plan to support it we're really trying to increase our social media presence and get it out right. to as many online publications as we could. Right. Um, and, you know, just sort of do more writing and have more material ready to go so we can support it. Right. Um, you know, in the way that we usually do, once we're able to play shows again, we can hit the road as hard as we can.
2: Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, supporting it with the shows is going to be pretty crucial for, I mean, selling it. But, I mean, I think, I was saying on a previous podcast, I think a lot of people are going to be more inclined to be buying music online like during this time. I think I think people kind of get it, especially with uh, with musicians. I mean, like, I, I feel like, um, like visual artists are going to kind of take a hit. You know, that's going to be kind of difficult. I mean, but, I mean, I really do hope that people keep putting out music. And I think like, I just wanted to basically say, like, bravo for putting out some tunes in this time. I think it's really important that people continue to put out music while this is happening. Like people want some fresh stuff to to listen to and to and to do. I like I mean even with just this podcast people are saying like hey it's it's great that you guys are doing this as a uh, as some sort of fresh thing I can check out every day. Oh so 100% I think, dude. I think it's great that you guys are putting it out. Like like uh and it's may may 1st is when it's coming out. Yeah, yeah, May
1: 1st. Yeah. It, it it was a tough decision cuz You know, when this really hit, we had to sit down and say, well, do we still want to release this? You know, we're not going to be able to support Mm -hmm. it at all. Um, But at at the end of the day, we sort of decided, like, it's been a good year and a half, at least, since we released our first EP. And, uh, you know, we figured we just needed something new and we do it the best we can. And there are, like you said, advantages to releasing things during this time, people are probably a bit more receptive to receiving new material. They might take time that they might not necessarily have otherwise. Um, if things right. were normal and, you know, maybe check out a band that they didn't know of before. So, I mean, we're doing yeah. what we can to support it. And I feel like we're, we did a pretty decent job of that. And, uh, hopefully, hopefully people like it cause it is quite a bit different than our first EP.
2: Right. I yeah, saw the clip it, that you guys put out today and yeah, it sounds fantastic.
1: I'll uh, I'll send it your way. I'll send it both your yeah, ways. Actually, I, I would love I would love to hear it. We're getting the we're getting
0: yeah. the exclusive guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This uh like preview clip you put out today for the single is is awesome. Who put that together? Did you guys just do that or did you hire somebody? Um, we, we hired
1: a guy named Stephen Frost to put together the lyric video. Um, that's awesome. that that's from, and then we got Alex to use his uh, MIA education to you know, hack together a, a couple teaser clips for it.
2: Excellent. Right. Excellent. Yeah, that's awesome. But, and uh, a quick yeah. shout to Kyle Ashbourne, who who recorded you, correct?
1: Correct. Yeah, Kyle recorded nice. us. We got it mastered by uh, Dan Brodbeck. Uh Both of nice. them did a phenomenal job. It it packs a lot of punch. You know, it, it's got a nice sort of energy to it that we're really, really excited about.
0: Sweet. Yeah. Kyle's Kyle's awesome, especially with like uh, I I revisited the last podcast we uh, we did together, and uh, we were talking about how like this is perfect for Kyle to work on. I think uh, this is like really kind of the kind of music that he shines in. He he mixed our last two singles too, and I was I was really happy with what what the outcome of that was. Kyle's he incredible, really kills it. yeah. He, he knows what he knows what's up for sure.
1: Yeah, like and you know, a lot like none of us really have a lot of technical background in terms of recording, except for maybe Alex. So when Kyle's asking us what we want, we can go in and we can say like, we want it to like kick you in the throat. You know, we want it to hit your ears. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we just want it to like, just destroy you and destroy your ears. (laughs) And he's like, okay, cool. I know exactly what you mean. And then he's able to deliver on that. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, no, it's it's yeah. great. He's great to work with too, and he and uh, I mean, you combine his person personal skills with, you know, the talent he has for recording and engineering, and it's just a really good, really good experience.
2: Yeah, for sure, definitely. He did a fantastic job on the Mesa EP. I love that album.
1: That album um, sounds huge.
2: Oh my God, it sounds yeah. massive, dude. Uh, yeah, I wanted to ask. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Scott. So with um, because I know you guys play, Junko Daydream plays outside of London way more than in London. You yeah. guys are usually on the road. Um, and I mean, with this whole quarantine thing, who knows when we're all going to be back out playing shows. But I'm curious, um, granted that we're all going out and touring again and and, and playing shows in general. Are you going to be uh, trying to play some more stuff here in London? Or are you going to still be uh, try, like on your World Conquest trying to go around and play uh, outside wherever you can?
1: Um, sorry. Conquest is a great, great word for it. Right. Um, (laughs) I I think we're, we're going to try and play here a bit more frequently, but it's not like we don't play London because we don't want to play London. We just don't want to tire people out in our hometown. Right. Right. I think that's
2: super important.
1: Like every time we play London, we get a, a really strong reception and a really good turnout and we don't want to mm-hmm. oversaturate like yeah. we don't want to oversaturate our shows in the city um, and you know play here too often because then you end up with a situation like oh my god check them out this week i oh, no, they're playing another three weeks from now at
2: yeah seven six right,
1: five
2: yeah. yeah so i've preached that like all the time and it's it's a very fine line with certain artists too right like like i know heart attack kids are the same way like we'll like but before I joined, they would play they'd usually play call the office and it'd be like once a year right yeah and I yeah mean, that's that's kind of our plan still is where're like you play one or two huge hometown shows or whatever, but i mean there's there's some artists that you know like you can play like a different a different cafe every day of the week, you know, and you can and you can get away with it and people are still gonna come out every time but it's it's such a strange uh like I don't know what the determining factor is for whether you can play once a month in London or once a year and uh, and it won't hurt your draw.
1: I guess it's just all about finding that balance, you know? And I feel like the heavier, heavier your music is or the more niche it is, the less frequently you can really play right, in your city, you know? And it's also like what's predominant in your scene. You know, back when we were doing Radio Caroline, it was all hardcore music that was going on in London. Like every yeah, show is a hardcore we show. We with
2: exclusively hardcore bands.
1: And now that I'm playing in a hardcore band, it's not, I mean, there's still a lot of great hardcore bands in London, but I mean, it's the, the hardcore scene in London isn't as, as prominent as it used to be. Right. So, you know, when, when you do toss a hardcore show, we just want to make it count, which is why we only do London, you know, once or twice or three times a year. Right. Why Radio Carolina only plays London once every two years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Look out for us, November of 2022. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had to think about it for a second there. Yeah. That was a great show, by the way. I have, to, I have to toot our own horns. That was a fantastic time.
1: I don't think it could have gone any better than it did. I was really, yeah. really happy
2: with that. Tons of fun. Tons of fun. Really good time. Yeah. It was and, awesome. Uh, oh. And I know we're all itching to do it again sometime, but, I mean, Liam is off in fucking new zealand and he's there for the lockdown
1: is, is, is he actually i thought oh, he came he's back. there
2: yeah it was it's crazy so liam uh the drummer for radio caroline drummer for uh, diy orchestra as well uh, fantastic musician uh and like one of my best friends he uh he flew off to new zealand for like it's almost like like mission work like missionary work but not religious he's just there working <laughs> farms he's just working farms for for meals and, and a place to stay or whatever uh and he'd been there for like two months and then this all happened and uh and I mess I finally thought to message him because I was like of course he's gonna come home but then I didn't hear anything about it and then I was just like are you coming back to Canada for the quarantine or are you staying in New Zealand he said no I'm gonna rough it out here and I'm like oh yeah rough it out it's like summertime there it's like paradise right and I'm like rough it out so he's he's just living it up in a hostel right now. And I think they've got like like two cases or something. I'm probably drastically underwhelmed like uh underestimating that, but but New Zealand it seems like it's not as huge of a of a spread. Like there's not as many cases and stuff, so it's like as long as they all stay put, they're fine. So it's like, Oh yeah, why don't you just go hang out with some fucking koalas or whatever? I don't know. I don't know yeah. what, <laughs> I don't know what wildlife's in New Zealand, but it seems like he's having a good time still.
1: I'm sort of jealous. Oh my god. Yeah. Wouldn't mine rough yeah, in the south new zealand. Cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for real. Let's let's fly down there and well, I guess we can't fly anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was like I had I had stars in my eyes for a second there. It's like, "Oh yeah, wait. Yeah. No shows."
0: <laughs> oh my god.
1: But uh I mean, um, what are you guys doing to keep busy in the lockdown? You know, like what's Lost Arts and what's uh, heart attack kids doing to
0: keep busy? Oh man, we're not doing much. We can't really like obviously we can't really jam. Um, we like finally got a music video that we put together in March. We finally got a draft back for that. So now it's like just working on promo for that for whenever that's going to come out. But it's been such a bummer not being able to play together or anything. Cause like we were really starting to like, we had our eyes set on the studio and we were putting demos together and then this happened and we're like, Oh, what now? And like Nick's about to move back home. So we, like, don't really have a plan for, you know, when this is all over, like, where are we going to be practicing and, like, what's the plan after this? So... Right. It's really going to be, like, a regroup. And we finally felt like we were, like, on... We finally found the path. Like, we finally found our lane. Mm-hmm. And now we have to, like, totally regroup whenever we're allowed to, you know, see our friends again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man, it's, it's I get kind that. of a bummer.
1: We, uh, we put together, like, a whole 12-month plan. We had everything in place, like... Uh, Where we were going to do shows, where we were going to tour, what we were going to record this year, it's just all out the window.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we, like, for the first time in January, we got together, and I was like, all right, guys, like, last year was okay, but we were kind of flying by the seat of our pants. Like, let's, like, set some goals. And we, like, everybody was, like, it was so good. I felt it was the best I've ever felt about the band. And I was like, this is going to be good. This is going to be a good year, I think. <laughs> yeah. And then some dude ate a bat and was like, fuck you and any plans you've made for this yeah, year. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Heart Attack Kids are the same way. Everything's basically, it seems like every band, it's just everything's kind of come to a screeching halt, right? But uh, yeah. I mean, thankfully, it seems like a lot of uh, the musicians we've been talking to on this podcast and any anybody that I've been talking to seems to kind of have some content in the bank which is great. And like I said, I really hope that people are still putting out stuff while this is going on cuz I think it's really important. Like and it, and it'll get some good reach. Like what what other excuse do people have to not listen to your music? Right? If they're all just sitting at home. 100% um, man. But but like we've been we we've been working away at we've got two singles in the bank and we've uh we've got a video that we're working on um uh, with no we don't have any release dates for anything cuz I mean, we're we're all staying at home. Jared and I still live in London together. Laura's in Nova Scotia, so I mean our jam dynamic has stayed the same, aside from Jared and I not getting together. But you know, we still keep sending each other demos and and like we we're we're writing a little bit. But I mean, we're all kind of doing our respective thing because um, you know there's you know unemployment's going on and and everyone's stuck at home. No one's feeling very fuck yeah. Let's write a rock and roll song all the time right? so, <laughs> so everyone's kind of hanging out and we're we're stay we're picking away at things but we still got content going so it's, it's it's i'm really glad to hear that a lot of people still have content in the bank they're still working on
1: yeah yeah me t- me too it, i mean it always keeps keeps things fresh you know if there's nothing new going on in a life that's already stagnant because of what because of this lockdown right you know yeah it, it serves a huge purpose for just, you know, keeping people engaged and realizing that there's life outside of this.
2: Mm-hmm. And Cam made a good point on a previous podcast. of He thinks, uh, uh, like, it, it kind of tied into something that I said, too, where uh, with everyone staying inside, there's going to be, like, this new era of renaissance where there's going to be all this new material that people put out either after the quarantine or, like, while they're in quarantine, they'll be creating all this art. Um, but I'm curious as to... How how people's sounds are gonna change while they're all stuck up in here? I mean, like I know for sure, like I've been doing these live streams, and I've definitely rediscovered my love for acoustic music, and like blues stuff, right? So it's gonna be it can be interesting to see, you know, say six months down the road when Junko Daydream gets together for a jam. Are you guys gonna be a country band or something like that? You think?
1: <laughs> I'd love to see an emo revival. The late twenties. I would love that revival. too. Yeah,
2: hundred percent. I ship that.
1: <laughs> i mean it's the perfect conditions for it you know all mm-hmm. you have to do like all you have is to you know reflect on your anxiety and your sadness and your depression and all the negative things you have all the time in the world to think about them so i feel like they're yeah. really <laughs> right great emo music coming out of this
2: Right. I hope that there's still going to be some like some bubbly, you know, acoustic music coming out or some 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 bedroom pop that's like, hey, you know, everything's not that bad. <laughs> that would be <laughs> good too. I would appreciate. I'd like a nice mix, you know. I want I want my 3 cheers for sweet revenge and I want my Colby Calais at the same time. I want Yeah, both. you
1: need the juxtaposition.
2: Yeah, exactly. You need some some bubblegum pop to balance out the crippling sadness from <laughs> <laughs> The, the, the upcoming Junko Daydream album. <laughs> That's
1: just like punching walls music, you know? That's the soundtrack to a fight club. So, right. like, yeah. we're on the extreme end of the angry spectrum on that one. It's it's pretty hard the entire way through.
2: Nice. I'm very so, excited awesome. to hear it.
1: But, I mean, like you were talking about the juxtaposition there. Though Our, our next release that we had planned is much lighter, more dynamic material. So, I right. mean, our next release will be drastically different than, than this, but, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out across the industry, just seeing how, if any bands have a complete sort of sonic shift yeah. to an entirely different genre.
2: I'm predicting it. I think it's going to happen, because, I mean, it's, it's happening with me, for sure, as far as what I'm playing for most of the day, or, or mo- like, most days, I'll be picking up my acoustic guitar before I pick up my bass. You know what I mean? um and i mean i've i've seen a lot of people who are still producing tons of stuff and i wonder if there's going to be you know more of a shift to like electronic stuff for a lot of musicians because it's just they have their laptop they can't really plug in a stack in their bedroom kind of thing um but i know like mark swan we had him on on the on a previous episode and uh i mean he put out an entire ep like in in the time that he was in quarantine he he wrote produced and released an ep and it's uh i mean that's that's a bit of a mixed bag ep too but uh i mean you know people are going to be stuck up with nothing better to do they're going to have time to reflect on their sound and and put it out
1: yeah i i feel like there's a lot of good that can come out of come out of it musically Mm -hmm. it's just uh the market to which you can then release and support the music that that's going to be
2: changing right 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 yeah
0: Absolutely. Um, So buy music, people.
2: Buy it all. Buy all all the albums.
0: Uh, I got to ask you, Scott. um, I know it's not an option right now, but did you guys make any more moves on doing that Denny's tour at all?
1: (laughs) Oh. (laughs) We've talked about it, like, extensively. Just about actually, like, renting out space at Denny's. Because it's it's right along the 401 the entire way. So it would be the easiest tour ever yeah right sleep in the parking lot shower in the trucker showers like it would be so streamlined and i feel like people would actually go like would you guys go to a denny's a denny's hardcore show
2: oh dude i i would sell merch for you 100 (laughs) percent. i would do that i would do that just for eating denny's every day (laughs) yeah
0: and you bring like a documentary crew with you and like, so then you got footage. Oh afterwards. dude, we'll, we'll do it.
2: We'll, we'll be a, yeah. mo- a mobile podca- podcast, podcast, <laughs> yeah.
1: make a whole mini doc. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we've talked about it. We haven't actually made any calls to Denny's to see if yeah. we could even remotely organize it. But, um, you know, once this clears up, that might be a good thing for us to look into doing. Cause I, I feel like people would really enjoy that sort of stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank God it wasn't in plans, because, I mean, first off, tours are (laughs) are next, but, I mean, restaurants, no go. Big no go. Like, that would be devastating to have a full, like, if you actually had booked the entire tour of Denny's, (laughs) and then it's like, hey, all restaurants are closed down, it's like, ah, shit, well, at least we can reschedule the tour. Hey, all tours are closed down. Ah, shit! Yeah. (laughs) You know? Just kicking you while you're
1: already down. Yeah, but yeah. you know, once this all clears up, I'm sure they're going to really need to increase their overhead pretty quick. So they might be more lenient on what sort of bookings they take. So,
2: oh, true. You heard it first, guys. Yeah. Right there here, you go. Denny's yeah. tour, yeah. Junko Daydream, 2023. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if any, if anyone else steals this idea, I'm going to be
0: pissed. Yeah. Well, we got two podcasts now where we've talked about it. So like, I think it's pretty clear that it was it was a Junko idea. Yeah. We're
2: speaking it into yeah. the
0: universe. One yeah, podcast so. at a time.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. We'll oh uh, we'll bring you guys along as well. Lost Arts, oh, Junko sure. Daydream, Heart Attack Kids if you guys wanted, heart wanted heart. to play Denny's. Dude.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for real. This is going to be the ultimate that's tour the, package. That's the, this is yeah, going to be the grand, slam, <laughs>
2: the, grand, <laughs> the grand Slam tour package.
0: Yeah, it's the tour to end all tours for sure. I could, I could oh totally God.
1: see the tour poster, too, being laid up like the Denny's menu with the Grand Slam. Mm. And, oh. uh, there's just so what much what you can count. do with it.
2: Yeah, it's so marketable.
1: Oh, yeah, and, you know, as well, if Denny's didn't want to do it, I'm sure we could book the Huskies that are all down the 401 and the 400.
0: <laughs>
2: oh, yeah, yeah, or, like, we could probably get some IHOPs, or, like, we go to you go down to the States, hit every Waffle House on the yeah. East
0: Coast. Yeah. Oh
2: dude. I mean oh, you yeah.
1: you'd be Just stopping a... every ten minutes though. If we were. Yeah. yeah going all the way down.
2: We'd be doing a lot
0: of matinees, guys. Yeah. You got yeah, th- three dates in one in one city. <laughs> Just... <laughs> oh man. Um yeah, what more. else? What else you guys want to talk about? Um, uh, I thought it was uh we played with your buddies in Big Vane last summer. Uh, when we played a show in montreal oh yeah like the first thing they yeah the first thing they asked us they were like oh you guys are from london you guys know junko daydream <laughs> I was like, yeah we do actually <laughs> like those guys are sick <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i mean they're they're all pretty good dudes I, I really like those guys we played with them twice and uh i can't say that i've, I've talked to them recently but it, it's just like they've been doing a lot of like, they do a lot of shows in Montreal. So every time that we come back, yeah. it's like, oh, right. When was the last time these guys played? Two days ago. And yeah, they're playing again tomorrow. <laughs>
2: yeah. Same venue.
0: Yeah. But they're um, all really was, good uh,
1: guys. And they have a lot of really, really uh, cool energy.
0: For sure. I uh, It was great. They were playing. And uh, they're just like this, you know, straight up like punk rock band for anybody that doesn't know. And uh, we're like, are they doing like a punk rock cover of the Macarena? And and they were. It was <laughs> oh awesome. My God, dude, that's so <laughs>
2: sick! What the hell? It was yeah, awesome. Yeah, dude, this
1: is like a staple of their shows.
0: Yeah, it was amazing. Holy shit, I couldn't believe it. But uh, yeah, that was quite the venue. We played at the Barfly, and uh, we we're like, oh, there's like no stage here, really. But it was definitely like one of the most punk rock things I've ever been involved in. Just being in that venue. Right. Level playing field. What do
2: you guys, how do you feel about no stage in a venue? Oh, it's
0: weird. It is. I, don't, I, I, so. I mean, like there, there's technically a stage at that place, but there's like, once you get a drum kit set up, it's pretty much you're out of real estate. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I, but like we, we played at the Harmony Lounge a few times and that's just on the floor or like the doors, obviously, yeah. no stage there. It's it, weird. I don't know how I really feel about it
1: it definitely took longer than usual, at least for me to feel comfortable playing at harmony because there was no stage yes. or like no, no illusion of a stage, you know, like, yeah, yeah, most of the places that, that we play, it's, there's technically a stage, but at the end of the day, only, you know, one or two members is on it. Cause everyone else has to be on the floor. Cause the stage is so small, but like right. not even having that sort of thing. It is, it, it does feel weird, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. Like if the energy of the show is good, it, right yeah but yeah i will sure. say like, that i've like damaged more gear at shows without any sort of a stage than the other shows
2: 100 percent. <laughs> yeah because you're you're so interactive with the audience right i mean yeah. generally junko daydream is so interactive with the audience too but i mean when you're when you have no stage like even we were playing at radio caroline right like you'd wind up you're bumping elbows with people in the pit basically
0: yeah yeah yeah, it's, it is one of those, uh, I find like playing shows like that and then it's almost a very similar thing if then you play, you know, something like legit like Rum Runners where both of those things both feel like very real. Where, you know, mm-hmm. if you're playing like a decent door show and there's no stage and you're like, this still feels cool and like it feels like, you know, it's like very punk rock, but it feels like you're cutting your teeth where, you know, when you're on Rum Runners, it's like this is an actual venue and I'm on a real stage and there's like a a sound guy. I can move around without having to worry about falling
1: off the stage.
0: Yeah, Yeah, exactly. For sure. Exactly.
1: It's cool. It's, I think it's the variety that makes gigging so addictive though. It's like when you walk in, it's never the same thing twice. Right. I mean, even if you're revisiting a venue that you played six months earlier, you know, most of the time they've either changed the stage, removed the stage Change their setup completely, you know the the varieties. I think what keeps it interesting,
2: unless you're playing at Lee's Palace, then it's the same every time. Jesus, oh man, <laughs> dude, that place was looking rough when we played there. It, was it is pretty rough,
1: <laughs> and it's still leaking piss from the ceiling.
2: That's insane. <laughs> That's insane. That's it, actually a great story. I gotta, we gotta recant that when we when we were in Radio Caroline together, um, we we had we we booked a gig at Lee's Palace, and we were all so stoked about it. I was stoked about it because it's like the Scott Pilgrim venue, right? right and, yeah. um, and we we got closer and closer to it. I forget, like, because we must have had it booked like several months in advance, right?
1: We had it booked a long time in advance.
2: Yeah, because it was it was it was far enough in advance. That the Floyd Mayweather Conor McGregor fight was announced after, and it was on the same fucking day, the same day as Fight Night, the biggest sporting event like in decades, basically. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And and we played for all bands and the sound guy that night at Lee's Palace. Oh no!
1: Yeah, man, it was. I don't think I've ever seen Toronto that quiet either. Like you step outside the venue and there was nobody anywhere
2: no wow
1: and i think we had a bit of false hope too because there was some sort of frosh week thing going on and there were oh, literally man. like hundreds of university students coming right into Lee's these palace and they're like oh yeah man we're gonna catch your show and we're like oh sick and then they went to an entirely different section of the venue and we still played yeah the nobody.
2: they were they were upstairs and i was i i'd gotten into the full flower suit and i was soliciting myself at the door I was like yeah. come see the band and I'm like I'm like trying to look all weird and fucking flower suited <laughs> and I'm like I'm like you got to come see the show they're like where are you guys from I'm like London and they're like England and I'm like yes <laughs> I'm like yeah. suddenly I have to like try to put on a fucking accent or something but no none of those kids wanted to go they they just wanted to grind on each other and get too hammered That's
1: I mean the hard. upside of the whole thing was we were able to pack up and reload the van quick enough that we actually got to like watch the fight on your we phone did. on the trunk of a car we yeah, got to see like sure. the last right. two rounds yeah
2: yeah and i remember wow. earlier
1: that day we were like trying to figure out where we could still place 50 to one bets and yeah we just yeah yeah <laughs> we just couldn't do it
2: we were well, we yeah we were trying to make so much money that day and it didn't happen <laughs> actually i've got one more and i want you to tell it uh how about <laughs> how about that time we played in brantford and hit the casino after
1: oh okay all right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we we get asked to play the show in Brantford at Club NV. And we ended up getting talked into bringing the entire back line for the show. Like we Ooh. were the only out of town band and we brought the entire back line. Oh. And the whole setup there was super, super rickety in the sense that like there were extension cords plugged into extension cords oh, yeah, plugged nice. into even more extension cords. And that's how you nice. set up your stuff for the show.
0: <laughs> Love it.
1: So we, we play our set. We do the show. The promoter for the show offered us like something insulting, like $20. And right,
2: yeah, it was not good.
1: We were like, we made this thing happen. This is literally all of our gear that was used for this show. You, you got to do better than that. And I think he ended up giving us like 70 bucks total.
2: Yeah. I think seventy uh, or eighty bucks.
1: We were just pissed. We we were super pissed, uh, just at how the night went in general. So yeah. we decided, you know, let's have some fun. Let's take all of the money that we got paid for this show, go to the casino, and bet it all on one round of roulette. <laughs> so we went How did to the that ca- go, Scott? <laughs> Okay, so I don't even think you could go in, could you? Because you weren't old enough. I
2: couldn't go in. I was 18 still, and I wasn't even allowed in the casino. So I was standing out there like, this is fucking stupid. Just <laughs> <it>. <laughs> like, I was so upset because I wasn't allowed in the casino. And like we we drove out there. It wasn't a very well-attended show either. Right? No. And I think Ill Scarlet had played the night before on the big stage in the back. So I was like, I, we walked in, and, and I was like, oh, shit, this stage is great. And they are like, nah, you're playing the front room, man. And I'm like, what? And I could go out there. And it was like level playing field with like a fucking yeah. fence around the stage. So like I was Those bummed, are the worst like, types of stages, having oh, the fence I hate it. around it. Yeah, I hate it. Like Star Billiards had one of those, and like I didn't mind it when I was doing the acoustic things, but anytime we had a band, they would always insist on playing on the floor instead, because the the cage is just such a such a uh, an energy killer. It is. So, so yeah, I was I was pouting already, and then we got to the casino, and I wasn't even allowed in. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Jack, uh, Jeff and
1: I go into the casino. We get all of our money changed to chips. Go to the roulette table. And I guess, sorry, before we went in, we flipped a coin, you know, heads, it was going to be red, tails, it was going to be black. So we flipped a coin, it was tails. We had already decided before we even went in, our money was going to go on black. So we get to the table, we have our chips, we put it all on black and the guy spins the wheel and it ends up on double zero, which is green, pays out 50 to one. Like it, there's literally two of them on the two green spots on the whole roulette wheel and it landed on green. And we lost all of our money, and because we had already like flipped our coin, you know, it wasn't green wasn't even an option when we flipped
2: the coin. So we lost our money right. before we even went in there. But
1: right it makes for a good story. <laughs> but yeah. so
2: here's here's the worst part: is they come out and they tell me, yeah, we didn't, we lost it, right? Because I I was under the impression we were going to lose it right from the get go. I was like, we're not winning. Right. There's no way. And then they come out, and I was like, we didn't win. We lost it all, didn't we? And they were just like, you're not even going to believe this. And I'm like, what, what happened? They said it landed on double zero. And I'm like, so what would the payout have been if we, if we had bet on double zero? And I forget what the amount was. It was, was like
1: $2,300. Yeah. Oh, if we had put it all so... on, on green or double zero. Yeah. So
2: we, not only did we lose all our money, but if we had made the correct bet, we would have gone home with so much money.
0: <laughs> oh my god
1: but the the odds of it landing on that are literally like 50 to 1 yeah, as opposed yeah. to the close to 2 to 1 odds that you have that it's gonna land on
0: black <laughs> pretty close <laughs> definitely not close enough but close enough
2: but pretty close
0: oh man that would have been an epic story it's like yeah we funded the whole like other the second ep just off this chance move that we did yeah Yes. Yeah, that's wild. But I
2: mean, it's worth the story. It's I, I've told that story so many times and like I remember being so pissed off when that happened, but I could I couldn't be happier that we did it cuz it's like such a funny yeah. story.
1: I just you know, I sort of wonder how the guy would have reacted having found out that the extra gear, the extra money that we worked him for at the show ended up just going to the casino like 20 minutes later. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, for yeah. real. <laughs> and we actually multiplied it into so much more money
1: we had we had a lot of good shows a lot of good stories to go with the shows that we played in radio caroline for sure
2: for (laughs) sure there was some good ones what was what was your favorite show with radio caroline
1: my favorite show that we played Mm. i would have to say canadian music week oh yeah when we played at the horseshoe after julian taylor yeah that yeah, was a lot of fun was, because we set up so quickly just to make sure that you know we, we got some audience. of the people, but we yeah. were the last act of the whole thing, and we played at like three a.m.
2: Yeah, we were the last, the last performance of all of Canadian Music Week because Horseshoe Tavern was open later than I think they were open later than than all the other bars pretty much, or that they they had the last scheduled performance and it was us.
1: Yeah, maybe it was four a.m. It it was it was
2: four a.m. Last call, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we were the last band at the last show of Canadian Music Week, and it it ended up going well. And it, was that the one we got oh, the we tattoos after?
2: Show. Uh no, we got it uh, the next time we had gone through the horseshoe because we played uh, we played with that dummy band that uh, they they brought drum shells with with like fifty year old drum skins on them. Oh Remember yeah, that?
1: and we almost got into a fight after the show.
2: Yeah, it was unbelievable. Like I wish I wish Liam were here to tell that story because he was the one that like had the ultimate hero moment, but there was this band that rolled up, and we're going to keep them a- nameless. I don't even, I, I don't think they're even a band anymore, but we'll keep them nameless, but they, they were the ones that were supposed to bring the drum shell. Um, and I think we were going to lend out cabs, and it was a whole gear share, and they were late to the, to the load in by like an hour, so no one was able to, to check because it was drums that we were waiting on. And uh, they roll up with, like, a Walmart kit with the stock skins on it, just, like, dimpled to shit. And, like, Liam starts, like, hitting these drums for sound check, and he goes, I'm going to pop right through all of these drum skins, man. There's no way that I'm going to be able to make it through an entire set with these, nor nor will any other band. Yeah. So, so the, one of the other bands had to drive to their jam. This is in Toronto, by the way. Had to drive to their jam space, which could have been... Like ages away. I, I it remember was in they, the they middle of rush hour too. It, yeah, they made it in good time still somehow. But they come back with new skins. We reskin the entire drum set, and uh, and we play the show. And and you know all the sets went really well. And we all got our first tattoos. Well, our our matching tattoos anyway. Liam had a bunch, and Jeff uh, Jeff had one I think before that.
1: Yeah, it is a little Jesus uh, fish.
2: Yeah, it's Jesus fish, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> but so we played the show. And we're all loading off or whatever. And the guy starts putting the drums in his fucking car. But we're like, hey, man, those aren't your skins. You know, like this guy drove across town in rush hour to get those sh- those skins for you. And he was just like, well, then take them off. And it's like, we s- reskinned your entire kit for the sake of the show. Are you kidding me right now? Right? And then so we're in the back of the venue, like like behind the venue. And this band starts like name calling us like for trying to get these shell like these skins back to one of the other bands who realistically saved the entire night. They right? they really then, did, yeah. Oh, 100%. Uh like, I really I wish I remembered who they were with the name of the band.
1: That was Eclecticus that lent the skins.
2: Yes. Okay. Well, shout out to them cuz they saved that whole night. And that was that was a great show. I had a great time that night. But uh so that happens Liam has to strip all the skins off of this kit and I remember him throwing the drum across the stage and being like, Take here's your drums back. Right? Oh, I've and never and seen the him guy that angry, yeah. The guy, oh man. same with Jeff. I remember Jeff literally looking me right in the eyes with like I could see like the cartoon bulls in his eyes. He like Looney Tunes style. <laughs> and he just and he just goes like Are we seriously gonna have to fight these motherfuckers? And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Relax, relax. We're gonna get thrown out of this place. And uh and the dude picks up the drums and I remember like I'm there with Liam trying to make sure he doesn't get too out of control. And the guy picks up the drums and goes, thanks man. Hopefully we could play again sometime. And I just remember Liam saying, yeah, fucking you wish man. Like <laughs> I, <laughs> incredible. Cause like, I could like, couldn't believe it. And I, I haven't seen someone load up a car faster in my life. Those guys tossed those drums in that car and were gone within like two minutes. Oh my yeah. God. Unbelievable.
1: Was... The, Worst display of of uh, unprofessionalism I've ever seen.
2: Yeah, don't be that guy in a gear share, everyone. Oh <laughs> my god.
1: But I mean, there Let's was also that. the one show we did without you that we did with Evelyn in Montreal.
2: Yeah, and that was that- funny for me too, because you guys were doing this whole joke the whole time where you you had like an old debit card of mine. He's he like, I lent you the van. <laughs> Right? Yeah. And I think it's still up on the Radio Caroline page if you guys want to take a look at it. It's pretty funny. I I had like an old debit card. I lost it. Got a new one and it was sitting in my van somewhere the whole time. And you guys had the van all weekend. Yeah. And uh so they kept posting up these photos with like my debit card. Like they're whole, they're covering the numbers on it. They're just like Dinner's on Craig tonight and they're, they're stopping by like a like a liquor store and they're just like, "Oh, we're getting we're getting all the fanciest brews thanks to Craig." <laughs> right? <laughs> so yeah, so all these jokes are coming out, right? One, but- and then the next day, like I think it was the day after the show, it was like Craig's car got impounded, right? <laughs> and I and, yeah. and I and I'm like, "Ha ha ha, really funny, guys." But they actually got my fucking van impounded.
1: <laughs> Dude, that was it was the worst because we ended yeah, up crashing at sure one was. of we ended up crashing at uh, one of Liam's friends' places, and right. we we kept saying we we parked in a parking spot, backed it right up to the wall, and we said, "Hey man, are we good to park here?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, it's totally cool. I told my landlord that you guys were going to be here, so he knows that you're parking in the parking lot. You guys are all good." So. I mean, we brought in some of our stuff, like we brought in the guitars and some of our heads, but all of our pedals and our cabs and the shells were still in the, in the van. And then the next morning we wake up and Jeff goes out for a smoke and then he comes back in and I said, so, you know, how's it going? He says, the van's gone. And I'm like, no, what? And he says, yeah. the, the van's gone. And I'm like, fuck off. Like you're fucking with me. I go outside and sure enough, the van was gone. <laughs> and it was the worst feeling because, like, first of all, like, <laughs> we lost your van.
2: <laughs> it was my van, and I wasn't even there. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> and secondly, we lost like half of our gear. Right.
2: All the equipment still in the van.
1: And we find Liam's buddy. We're like, dude, what the fuck? And he says, Oh, f- oh man, yeah, I'm I'm sorry, man. I didn't actually talk to him. And. We're like, well, fuck, where would he have towed it? And we ended up having to call around all of these different tow, tow lots, you know, within like a five kilometer radius. And we found one. And then we had to walk like a good hour to go get to the lot and then pay a hundred dollars to get the van back. But I mean, like at that point, we were just happy that we located the van and that it wasn't actually
0: stolen. Yeah. But I mean, that would have been a whole nother thing.
2: It, well, it, it's... I'm thankful that you guys didn't hit me up while it was still missing. I'm glad that you hit me up. Like I discovered that this whole thing had happened on the Radio Caroline page when you guys were picking up the van. Like you had located <laughs> it and everything. But I, I can't imagine because I was still working. I was still where I was at Honda when I when I saw the post and I'm like, this is a joke, right? And then I messaged them. I'm just like ha 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 really funny fuckers and they were just like no seriously we're picking up your van right now and i'm like (laughs) what and then i heard the whole story
1: (laughs) and at the end of the day i feel like it's really a good sort of illustration of the way that the industry works because we ended up coming out ahead like after the show we ended up having like a good hundred bucks in like excess money we're like okay we're actually going to turn a profit on this trip to Montreal to play one show. Right. And we think we're in the clear and we're enjoying our night after. And if yeah, sure enough, the next day we wake up and we have to spend all of that money, <laughs> like getting to the retrieve. van out of impound and then using yeah. our own money to pay to get home. <laughs> oh God. But another crazy thing too, is Joe Cassis ended up going to that show. Cause it was right after he moved to Montreal. Right. And after we took Liam back to his buddy's place, we drove Joe home to the other end of Montreal and you know, Jeff and I ended up getting lost. It took us like two and a half hours. Right. It was was like
2: one of those, can you give me a lift home? I'm like 15 minutes away. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. 15 15 minutes was like six hours away.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was just a crazy weekend. It, 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 with that, with Radio Caroline, man, it, it, it was very rare that we had a show go off without a hitch. But I mean, yeah, for sure, there was always a hiccup, but like I'm really thankful for it, for sure. It makes it made the whole thing a lot of fun. Yeah. And, you know, it cr- makes for great storytelling.
2: Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. For uh, sure. well, I mean, while we're on the 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 wild tour storytelling, I mean, you're of course now you're in Junko Daydream, I'm doing the Heart Attack Kids thing, all that jazz. Um, have you had any of those kind of wild train wreck kind of nights with Junko Daydream? <sighs>
1: I feel like that it's... sounds
2: like yes to me. That, <laughs> that <sigh laughs> sounds like a yes.
1: I, I don't think we've had anything outrageous happen, but you know, like we've had a lot of really, really crazy shows. Like we played a Halloween show at Turbo House last year. And mm-hmm. that was absolutely nuts because like before we even got a chance to play, like the monitors had been knocked down and broken and were like rigged up haphazardly and the place was filled with people and you couldn't even see their faces. Wow. And we just ended up like soaked in beer before we even played, which helped us get into it, you know, a lot faster yeah. than we normally would. Cause you know, by the time you even get on stage, you already feel like you're on stage. But right. I remember the, f- the first show we played in Montreal like back when we first started the band a couple of years ago, um, mm. it was a horrendous experience just trying to get there because we crammed everybody into my car because uh, we didn't have the van yet. And we weren't able to borrow a van from anybody to do this show. So we had just enough space in like my old Beamer that we were able to put the, the amp heads in the trunk and the breakables and the guitars across people's laps in the back and, we were all set and the rest we were gonna borrow when we got there. And right. this is like a thirty degree day in the middle of the summer. And we get maybe to Dorchester on the four oh one. And we hear this sound underneath oh, the car. Man. And then I look in the rearview mirror and my drive shaft fell off.
2: Oh my oh, god. No. Oh
1: no. It like it actually fell off the car and You know, a couple days before I had my car in at the shop, just getting an oil change. And he's like, Hey man, like you're going to need to replace your drive shaft soon. And I'm like, how soon? He's like, pretty soon. I said, well, I'm going to Montreal in two days. Like, am I good for that? He says, Oh yeah, you're fine. And that's just, (laughs) it's just playing through my head as I'm watching my drive shaft tumble down the 401 in the distance. So my God, (laughs) we ended up having to sit on the side of the 401 for another two hours, like in the blistering heat with no cloud protection. Um, just waiting for the CAA to show up to take my car away. And then at that point we were able to wrangle a van from Jack's sister, but it also didn't have AC. So we can, we get that. And at this point it's like two in the afternoon. We're only in Dorchester and we needed, we need to be there at like seven. And and we figured if we gun it, we'll make it. And we did. Um, but when we got there, uh, the bouncer for Crowbar, which is pretty close to uh, where the Canadians play, like pretty, mm. so it's like right downtown. He meets okay. us outside, and he's like, oh, guys, you're going to have fun tonight at the A.C., and it just broke. It's like 50 degrees up there. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> No break. Oh
1: yeah, <laughs> no breaks. And it's set up sort of <laughs> like the doors. Like you have to take all of your gear up two flights of stairs nice so shit it was it was it was a day it was a day that was probably the most adversity we've had to deal with when playing a show yeah most of the time it's just you know the standard you know load up your gear play for no money and go home but that one it was like you put a lot of extra work into it to load up your gear and play for no money and then go home yeah (laughs) But oh it, I mean, it's, it's good. Like, like you said about the whole casino story, right? Like when it's happening, it's not the greatest, but in retrospect, those are the ones you sort of look back on and have the fondest memories of.
2: Definitely, definitely for sure. And like the car trouble ones are, are kind of like in its own element, you know, that kind of deal where like radio Caroline had, we had to blow on the highway when we were driving up to Ottawa. And yeah. It's like you have the fear of God stricken into you and that kind of thing happens. I can't imagine a drive shaft falling off. That's insane.
1: It it was it it sucked. It it was like a little bit of like extra dirt in the wound as well because I'm sitting there like driving to Montreal and trying to, you know, focus on that but also having in the back of my mind like I'm never going to financially recover from this. <laughs> like I have to replace my drive shaft now. Oh,
2: I love it. I love it, Caleb. <laughs> oh, you've got to have you got to have one atrocious Lost
0: Arts uh, show story uh, that we could we could wrap we've up. We've been right? we've been lucky, like knock on wood, in terms of you know like car troubles and stuff like that. We've been pretty good. It'll um, come. We also like kind of cheated, and when we did that Montreal run last year, we like rented a car to do it because I wasn't gonna take my Nissan, like my like eleven year old Nissan. I was like, I'm not loading that up and fucking driving it to Montreal. Right, and then nobody else has a car so we rented one so like that sense it's been good what was kind of like this is just a dumb Nick story is the first date on that we went to Toronto and Nick was like uh, hey I have family in Toronto I have like a cousin we can probably stay there and I was like alright man I was like that's in your hands you set that up I'm gonna totally trust you to just set that up and he was like alright and he did he was like no problem You can stay in my cousin's apartment it's all good and we're like okay cool And we're pulling up, we're going to drop some like bags off and stuff before we play the show. And uh, we're pulling up and Nick goes, oh yeah, I actually don't know like where we're going to park though. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, like overnight, I don't know where we park. (laughs) I was like, we can't, we can't park here. And it was like literally like a basement apartment, like on a major road. And he's like, no, (laughs) like, why wouldn't you think of that? Like we could have got like a permit or something. And he's like, I just didn't think about it. And we're like, well, why not, man? He's like, I don't drive. <laughs> and we're like, well, you knew we were bringing a car. <laughs> you didn't think about, like, where we would put it for the night. So after the show, we had to, like, drive around, like, Toronto and find a fucking parking lot where we could park at night and then oh and then walk, like, I think we ended up walking, like, it was, like, a 30-minute walk or something from the parking lot we found to, yeah. the, to the apartment at night. But uh, I don't know, like, we've played a few shows where it's, like, You know, the one I always tell is we played the hideout to like literally two people and the bartender and then we load out and I come back in because it was a guarantee. I come back in to get paid and the bar is like full of people like 20 minutes after we played. (laughs) I've had that for sure. Yeah, those ones suck. But like, I don't know if we've played enough really to have like these horrible experiences like, and like I said, I've been, we've been lucky with, with cars, thankfully, we haven't had to worry too much because, like, if that happened to me, like, all I would be thinking about is, like, I'm fucked. Like, what am I gonna do for a vehicle now? And I would not be able to enjoy myself without your entire day will trip. come. Your day will come. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it happens to everyone, man. It's just a matter of yeah. when. Yeah,
0: it is one of those things. Like when you play to nobody, and it's it's like uh, I remember after that hideout show, Hayden was like, "Well, I guess this is just one of those shows where it's like we can laugh about this later." Because at the time, it's just like really disheartening, where you're like, "Wow, there was nobody there," and it's really hard to like muster up the energy and stuff to you know like basically treat it like it's not a practice kind of thing yeah right but it is one of those things where it does like it does feel like you have like a badge now on like your rock and roll vest or whatever that you can talk about like all right that's part of paying our dues i guess we played a show in toronto to nobody like that's a check mark right
1: absolutely man and it it always seems to be the shows that you have to travel the furthest for that are the most inconvenient to to arrange and to get to that end up being those type of no shows for sure yeah
0: actually I guess like though we played our, the first show we tried to book in Oshawa was like a total clusterfuck I I don't even know if I've ever told this on the podcast but basically I set it up and then some some band got added to the bill and uh who like they were signed and like the shit <laughs> and uh even though at the time we had like the same amount of monthly listeners and shit as they did right. and uh so i remember being like uh i asked them if we we asked like way in advance if if they would backline because they were like on a tour or whatever and they're like yep for sure and then we were getting ready to leave and uh i think i double checked that we were still good like use their bass cap or whatever and they were like yep and then all of a sudden they had like an issue with like what the door cost was and like all this shit which wasn't like that was what the venue told me it was right mm-hmm. and they were like i think it was like five bucks at the door kind of thing and they're like it should have been at least 15 and like all this shit and then he oh was my like God. he was like you have to guarantee us 250 bucks or like we're not doing the show and i was like i'm not even like i don't even i'm not even the booker dude like I yeah fucking, dude, i'm just another band on the On the show and he was just like, this is totally unprofessional. We're signed, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, all right. buddy." and then we ended up just like not doing that show because then we were playing with another London band and they're like, we're not going (laughs) to go. Like, okay, cool. I guess we're (laughs) just like not doing the fucking. like some office
2: space shit. Like, yeah, you just dropping out of the bill. No, we're just not going to (laughs) go. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: It's just like that one was very stressful because I was like, what? the?" And it was like some of the first shows we'd played out of town. And so I was just, and I was on this whole thing where I was like, "Well, great, now we're fucked like now nobody's ever gonna wanna play with us again, which it's ultimately not that big of a deal, but right, I always think about that band, and I check up on them sometimes just to see how they're doing, and they it still doesn't matter that they're signed, so yeah. fuck those I won't say their name, but it fuck those guys that I mean the
1: whole idea of being signed it you know it there's not a lot of weight that comes with it anymore, I don't no. think. I mean, no, there's no, so all. many independent labels, you know, like, I mean, we know that with radio Caroline, you know, like anyone yeah. can say that they're signed if someone wants to put their name on releasing your record hundred yeah. percent. You know, I, I feel 100%. like it's, it's used a lot out of context in today's like modern sort of scene. Cause so many yeah. people are signed to, you know, these DIY tape labels
2: yeah 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 for real it doesn't hold it doesn't hold any weight at all for sure and i mean with when being in a band now you know or like like having dealt with the the record label kind of thing before um like if you can do it yourself just do it yourself you know that's the yeah. that's the best way to do it i mean wolfpack is the best example for that like they they everything's independent for them you know and they're flourishing because of it i just feel like sometimes it would get in the way
0: yeah, absolutely. I think if you have the means to, you know, do promotion and stuff, even, you know, you can work with a publisher or whatever. If you have those kind of connects, you don't necessarily right. need a label behind you. Mm-hmm.
2: And booking you managers, need- for sure. I mean, like, yeah, those, those are things, those are necessary tools. But I mean, the label, a lot of times it's just, it's exactly what it's, what, what you it's a label, you know, it's just one thing that you can kind of say, yeah, this is what we associate with. But I mean, does it always help? Not, not really. It's like when people's—I've seen this before with people on Facebook saying, uh, "Like, hey, my band's looking for a manager," and it's like, "Why do you need a manager? Like, what yeah. is it that what is it that you don't think you're able to accomplish yourself?" Exactly. And a lot of times, it's just you know, it's just establishing connections or something like that. But I mean, it's like you don't need some other person to to get in on there um, to get this done. You can do it yourself for sure.
1: Yeah, it's just all about how much you want to really grind it out.
2: Yeah, yeah. Definitely. definitely. I think it's way more rewarding when you do it yourself.
1: It it is because, you know, at the end of the day, you're sending out a hundred emails that you only hear back to one or two of them. It feels a lot yeah. better when you were the one that put the effort into sending out
0: those emails. Right. Yeah, right. for sure. Definitely. How do you guys like? Uh do you guys delegate a lot within the band or did like you and Jack kind of handle a lot of the like emailing out and stuff like that? Like how do you kind of tackle that sort of thing? Um, we've been,
1: we do try to delegate a lot of it. Um, I mean like Jack handles all of our merch. I handle most of the booking. Uh, Mm -hmm. and then we all sort of share the email workload in terms of, you know, trying to get the EP out to the right people and, Right. And, you know, following up on shows and organizing gear chats and all that. Um, right. Right. I mean, we've been teaching Alex a lot of like what we do and how we do it and why we do it the way that we do. And he's been helping out with us a lot there. So it's a pretty, pretty even workload. Um, nice. which is, which is nice. Cause it, it is a lot. If one person in the band ends up doing everything, Yeah, then, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to, going to create issues. So it, it, it's pretty well balanced. And we've, you know sort of work to try and make that the case so that everyone's pulling their weight where they can and doug handles all of our socials so nice. right you know if everyone has their job it makes the whole process a lot less daunting when it comes to like booking shows or booking runs definitely right but i mean what about yeah, you guys sure. like how do you guys handle it
0: i uh that was like a new when we had that kind of like meeting in january that was the thing where i was like we got to everybody's got to start pulling like their weight more. And like I, the one thing that they (laughs) said was like, well, you, you booked all the time. So like, you know, we don't want to step on toes, which I definitely, that's definitely a fair point in terms of like, should everybody be handling all the emails? Right. But another thing was like, a thing that I always will do with gear chat. Like I'll maybe add them to a group, but every time I'm like, I just need to bring a microphone and I'm bringing it. So Mm. I don't really care what the gear share is. You guys can, you know, you sort that out because I'm just another person that has to, that has to go through to tell you to bring your head or not bring your head. Like you can sort that out, you know, but we started getting like in terms of promo and like when we, we were putting out all those promo videos before, uh, we released weightless, and that was like, we got together, you know, at carries and put our heads together and like that sort of stuff, like promo work is definitely just us, fucking around and then being like Mm -hmm. actually that might be funny we should maybe film that and see if people like it you know but yeah yeah this year was supposed to sort of be the test for booking and and promoting and stuff and obviously as we already talked about like that's been put on hold right now yeah definitely Um, but what i did notice was at the start of the year with this new single everybody was more involved and the overall morale of the band was better and excitement for sort of what was next was nice. definitely more uniform throughout all of us mm-hmm. where, you know, like we did, like you were just saying, it feels good when you send an email and a hundred people don't respond, but that one guy does. It's like when you finally break through It's like, Oh, that feels good that I was able to pull that off. Yeah. And I think that's something that everybody was starting to kind of be like, Oh, this actually does feel nice that I'm, I'm a part of this project, not just a band practice, but for the outside work as well. hundred percent.
1: Right. And you understand everything that your bandmates are dealing with a bit more when you are delegating the responsibilities sure. of the group, you know, like you, yeah. you have a lot more sympathy or you don't like, you don't have any frustration with anyone else because they're
0: still feeling their frustration from whatever they're dealing with, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like, Hey, it is frustrating when somebody doesn't answer your email or whatever. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> it is stressful. And that's why, if, you know, if shoes. something goes wrong with the show, you're like, fuck man like i put in all this work for months and then this mm-hmm. thing fell through last minute like that sucks mm-hmm. yeah definitely
2: the 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 delegation's super important but there's uh, the thing is i've cause i've i've played in like several groups now and usually there's that that collaborative or sorry that's uh that delegation where you know there's one guy that does the booking of the shows and one guy does the the graphic design and the merch or whatever and that kind of thing but it's it's so brutal when You'll kind of delegate all those things, but then you'll like, the merch will come in, and someone will be bitching about the merch. It's like, dude, like if you Mm -hmm. had a, if you have a beef with the merch, then like, you gotta, like, you want to do this for me instead, you know? Like, (laughs) it's so brutal. Or like, or like, you book a show and it doesn't go off well. It's just like, well, I mean, I booked the show. I mean, like, at least we played, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah. that's the only struggle uh... that you get when you delegate all those jobs.
1: Well, we, we set it out when we sat down and had our, our 12 month plan, you know, like Mm -hmm. if you aren't actively involved in doing something, you don't have a right to complain. We're like, we just set that out right off the bat. Right. You know, it's, it's like, if you have input, give the input before it happens, because otherwise, you know, everyone's got their jobs and some things are out of your control.
0: Yeah. Otherwise you miss the boat. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely uh the way to go about it. Yeah. Um, we should probably start wrapping up. It's been just over an hour here. Um right. but we do normally ask there, uh, Scott, if you got any like if you got like an album recommendation or something uh for the people. You know, it's probably been lots of time to listen to music the past month. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> well, I've been really, really getting into a band called Moon Okay. And I can't think of the name of any of their albums but if you look up Moontooth on Spotify um, it's pretty amazing it's like a cross between Protest the Hero and everything I, every time I die if it was fronted cool. by the guy from Incubus
0: oh, oh okay shit. Wow,
1: nice. so I mean that's really interesting um, I've been really getting into uh, Pine Grove I mean I've been listening to them for years yeah. but I've really been getting into their live session they did with Audio Tree so I okay. highly recommend checking that out. Um, I mean, otherwise I've just been listening to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> nice. What about, what about you? What about you guys? What have you been listening to? Um,
2: I haven't been listening to anything that you new. You go
0: ahead, Caleb. I need some rec- uh, rec- uh, recommendations as well. You go ahead, Craig. I got to think about what I've been listening to. I was going to
2: say, I actually, this is going to sound so douchey, but I actually listened to the Radio Caroline EP again. <laughs> recently um because i was i was making a playlist of all london bands uh for people to check out and uh and i was gonna include i wanted to include a radio caroline song because i mean we we did that reunion thing a couple uh a few months back and i mean we probably will again we probably will again likely if anyone That's watching this
1: is interested, I've got two hundred copies of that EP at home. <laughs> if yeah, there's actually no one. shortage.
2: I I posted Dude. up a photo because I found one in the wrapping, and I was like eight hundred dollars or best offer.
0: <laughs> but I knew damn well that you have like cases on cases of yeah. of the album. I definitely I definitely want one. I don't have a a hard copy, so I definitely yeah. Would there's like sixty
2: dollars a pop, everyone.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> fuck. But uh, but I re listened to that EP because it's it's fantastic. I mean, like your your guitar work, uh, Jeff's bass work, and we actually the, a lot of people don't know this, but Mike McCrae is the one that played drums on that album, and uh, and he does a great <laughs> job too. And Simon did a fantastic job uh, mixing it. So uh, you know, every time I listen to it, you know, I it's one of, it's definitely uh, like the creme de la creme of of of, uh, of albums that I've made, I'd say. It's great. It, I Working I love well.
1: that EP, you know, like yeah. when you shared it, you know, back in the fall. I actually listened to it for the first time in a good year or so. And I was yeah. like, "Fuck, this this stuff holds up."
2: It holds up really well. That's and like yeah. I I listened to it again just cuz I was going through a bunch of stuff and I I definitely wound up listening to it like twice, you know. I was like, "This is this sounds great. This still holds up really well." And I mean, as for our older recordings, you can't say the same thing about like the production and everything, right? They're just it's like dated almost. Right? And, I mean, we oh, were all like, I was I was a kid when we were making them, right? So I mean, there's 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 just things about it that, you know, you look back and you're like, "Oh, well, I could have done this better, or this could have been done a little differently." But um I mean with with the Take It All EP, I I listen to it and I'm like, "This is great. Like this would still get an approval from me." That's the uh, one where so we sort of found our
1: groove and we weren't, you know, recording all of our guitar parts through ds1s and playing <laughs> yeah. with a kit that, that hadn't been reskinned skinned in like two years and
2: yeah you know well, that was the big difference we're... was that we switched to baritone and five-string instruments yeah right and that just add, it added such a huge dynamic to it
1: oh it, it did it was it was it, it holds up i really think yeah. fondly of that ep
2: yeah that's my recommendation mm-hmm. go listen to the radio caroline ep old stuff. No, yeah yeah it's not it's not a total <laughs> douchey self-promoting thing it's we got we got our guest scotty here too so it's it's yeah, double it's, the self-promotion
0: it's topical it's topical
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly
0: yeah i don't know i don't know uh, i don't know but i'll uh i haven't uh thrown this band out here in any of these uh episodes yet so uh i would say dead poet society would be my recommendation oh hell yeah i think That's they right rip on. I think they're like a really solid, like modern kind of rock band. They yeah, like dude. yeah man. I don't know. I'm really I've been really into them. So uh yeah, yeah that would be my thing. Yeah. But uh I, yeah, so this will be this'll be out after uh the new Junko Daydream EP is out, so go listen to that. I'm excited to hear some new stuff. Should and, be uh, available. Yeah, is there anything else that you need to promote there, Scott, before we hang her up?
1: yeah we dropped we make an idol of our fear on may 1st it's available on all of the streaming platforms that you could possibly think of and uh should have a couple videos out by now and yeah let us know what you think it's it's really heavy if you're into heavy stuff you're gonna like it
0: right on thanks again scott for doing this uh well we'll hit stop on the recording and we can say say goodbye separately all right well thanks for having me on really appreciate it of course, man. Yeah. Right on. See everybody next time.